Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. In times of stress, the best thing we can do for each other is to listen with our ears and our hearts and to be assured that our questions are just as important as our answers. And this is from Mr. Rogers. And I think the times we're in right now, uh, wisdom from Mr. Rogers is just about perfect. So hello, everyone. I want you to know how thrilled I am to discover that this podcast has been downloaded on every continent in the planet. I don't know if Mars or Venus is, is getting it. We can't get statistics on that. And in 54 countries. So hello to everyone in 54 and counting. It is truly one world right now. That is so what I'm feeling. So it touches me that these recordings in my office in sunny San Diego are in some small way supporting people right where they are. I have a vacation rental above my garage. So basically in the backyard and I've had visitors from 18 countries. And in case you want to visit, let me know. (laughs) But I love the oneness, even though situations like this are not the ideal one to realize how it's one big planet. Also, I've discovered this Facebook group that is something like what what I see out of my window. And if you want to get sucked into a rabbit hole uh, for hours, (laughs) check that out. So before I introduce the amazing Sean Brown, I'd like to challenge you to share about this podcast in an email to your friends on Facebook, anywhere that you think there are people who would love to get support creating a more profitable business because sharing is caring. (laughs) And also be sure to join my private group, The Profitable Photographer, and like and follow The Profitable Photographer page with Lucy Dumas as well. (sighs) I'm out of breath. Okay, bye for now. (laughs) Kidding. So, hey, Sean Brown, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining Thank you so much for having me on The Profitable Photographer. And I wish that on my window, I was looking outside at probably nice palm trees in sunny San Diego right about now. Yeah, but you have those beautiful pine trees in the Pacific Northwest. So if I wasn't here, that's where I'd rather be. And it's raining here a lot, so it kind of feels like it. So we basically, yeah, we swap climates because it's been nice and sunny the last last week or so for us. Jeez. (laughs) Okay, well, here's some info about Sean. He's a high school senior photographer who never thought he'd be a photographer after going to college with the intention of being a cardiologist. Holy cow. He gave it up to become a photographer and have the freedom to live the life he wants. He's been named as one of the top 100 high school senior photographers in the nation. And he's spoken at conferences around the country and loves helping photographers. And he loves tacos. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome. So we were chatting before I started recording about what it's like for you, like right now, if you're listening to this in the next few months and not a year from now, you know that we're in the hunkered down, stay at home, COVID-19 situation. So what's happening in Vancouver, Washington? Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's a weird situation for everyone where us photographers, especially, we never really expected that 
we would just not be able to get out and do what we love. But things are looking up. Hopefully we start kind of opening back up here in the next month, month and a half, two months, however long it might be. But honestly, it's been a kind of bizarre experience here because in my busy season, it hasn't really hit yet. So we as senior photographers, we don't really start shooting until like July and we go through mid-October and as a recording, it's April. And I haven't really hit busy season. So it almost feels like a traditional March in a, in a sense where it's just working on various things during my slow season and transitioning into the coming months when hopefully this is kind of doesn't necessarily hit the shooting season too too badly. But aside from some personal trips and some workshops and travel for doing some films, that's pretty much it. It mm. hasn't really changed a whole lot. Mm. So when we get into uh, more of our conversation I'd love to hear a little bit about, since you're exclusively seniors, about the things you do season by season since since there is an actual photography season, just like when I did weddings, there were the really quiet times. Anyway, so I want to so put a pin in that and we'll totally. unpin that later. So I already shared with the listeners that you started out to be a cardiologist. So can you... Tell us a little about where you started your journey, you know, that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those journeys where I, when I, when people always say they never thought they would be doing what they're doing, I literally never thought I was going to be a photographer and I really just fell into it. So and started out, I just had a camera for travel stuff. And one of my brother's friends, I was in college at the time, just asked me to take some portraits for her senior photos. And I knew enough about a camera, you know, it's like, okay, to blur the background, you open up the aperture. Okay. So I, I'm pretty sure I bought like a 51.4 Canon. So kind of like that middle lens. They call it the nifty 50. Yeah. The nifty 50. So pretty much, I think I shot the entire session at about F 1.4 and about two out of every hundred photos were in focus. So it, <laughs> it started out fantastic, but what I loved was I loved being able to see this like joy and energy that these individuals brought since you're working mm -hmm. with high school seniors and they have all this ambition and these career goals and they know where they want to go to school and they know what they want to do for a career. And I love the energy that they brought to the sessions. I really just fell in love with the process. And I started taking on more portrait jobs, but at the time I was still in college on a pre-med track. So I was still planning on going to medical school. I wanted to be a cardiologist. I was going to go to residency and basically just do the doctor thing. Mm -hmm. And one day I really remember sitting down. It was right before I took my MCAT. So that's the medical school admission test. And sitting down and saying, I am really going to regret if I don't go for photography right now. And I'll always have the medical side. You know, if I want to go back to school and pursue that, I can always go back and do that. Mm -hmm. And I felt like there wasn't really a time where I could jumpstart or start back into where I was. And so pretty much overnight, I remember canceling out my MCATs and decided right then and there that after college, after graduating with a biochemistry degree, I was going to go be a biochemist photographer, basically, and just forego the entire traditional route. Stop, wow. not go the safe route, not go the route that has a nine to five or a stable income or anything like that and join a lot of other photographers in a life of uncertainty, but a life that has so much tremendous upside in generating more freedoms for you, being able mm -hmm. to do what you love. I get to travel around and take more vacation than I think that I otherwise would have. And I'm just a genuinely happy individual. And I'm so glad that 
I went this route and it's scary and it's uncertain. And there are a lot of photographers that are probably listening to where they say they want to leave the nine to five or they want to do something else and they just don't know how. And it's a scary leap, but it's ultimately something that I haven't looked back and regretted it for a single second this entire wow. time. Wow. One of the things that I have found as I've been doing, um, I'll do strategy calls with people who are interested in being a photographer and the ones who end up not booking or that I check back later, you know, it's not a good time, but I check back later and they haven't really made any changes are people who are so paralyzed with fear that they just cannot get themselves to take any kind of risk. I mean, I, it seems to me to be the number one issue, at least at the beginning of people's careers. How did you overcome the fear? Tell me about that. 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. And I get that fear because you're there. And what's really interesting about that fear aspect is it's almost twofold. And what I mean by that is that you have not only your kind of internal fears yourself, but you almost internalize fears of other people. And oh, what yeah. I mean by that is, you know, when someone is in a stable job, whether that be, you know, a corporate nine to five, just to, to use it as an example, where you know where the next paycheck's coming from, you know what to expect. You kind of have all the cards laid out on the table. But when you go into a photography job, it's very uncertain. First of all, in, you know, where am I going to make my income? Am I going to be able to make this happen? And you really have to take into account what everyone else is thinking about it too. And you almost have to throw those out the window. Yes. And that was something that was really, really difficult for me because all of a sudden I'm going from pursuing an, an MD, being a doctor to a photographer where, you know, everyone, when they hear photographer, it's, oh yeah, my neighbor down the street, she bought okay. a camera at the Best Buy the other day. Right. And now she's a photographer too. And it's very interesting where you're going from almost this prestigious or a respected field that you're potentially pursuing to a photographer. And it took a long time for me to realize that it doesn't matter what people think because mm. they're not the ones that have to wake up in the morning and go to the job that you didn't like with the regret of not pursuing what you loved and mm -hmm. being able to do that each and every day. And so I think that the sooner that you can get over that, the sooner that you're on your way or at least starting your trajectory to becoming a photographer right. or becoming a business entrepreneur, whatever it is that you're looking to do. And you also have to be okay with, I think, changing a little bit of how you might have to live your life where mm -hmm. you might have to take on a lot of hours. Like, you know, when I started, I was, I was maybe putting in 70, 80 hours a week for the first couple of years mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of energy to build. And it's not something that happens overnight. And I think you have to be okay with changing a lifestyle. It might mean not going to happy hour with your friends. It might mean that you're spending a little bit less or a little bit more time working late at night when you might be wanting to chill on the couch with a glass of wine, watching Netflix or something like that. So mm -hmm. I think you have to really be okay with sacrifice, but you have to be okay with realizing that if you don't go for it, there's going to be a lot of pent up anxiety or stress in the future from not going for it and not putting in the work and seeing at least what could have been. Interesting. So my first thought was in the 38 years I've been in business, I have fear every day. The fear is different and it's about like dropping the balls that are spinning in the air more than trying to figure out how to get them spinning. But that little bit of edge is also motivating for me. And I personally 
and I imagine in the seven years you've been in business, you've discovered the delight of your life being your own. So I have this fear that if I fail, I have to go get a J-O-B job. (laughs) (laughs) Eeks. And I, I can't imagine that because I'm a very independent person. I was born on the 4th of July, so it comes naturally to me, Miss Independence. <laughs> There's even a song about that. But the other thing that you said about that fear of regret, I'm not sure if I'm summarizing it right, but I think you're saying that if you don't do this thing that is pretty scary and that everyone around you is going, are you crazy? If you don't do it, the fear of how bad you feel not trying is motivating. Am I on to something with that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that you hit it right on the head. And it really comes down to, I looked at kind of that pivotal time where it was me making the jump from essentially, I call it like the safe route to the uncertain route is kind of how I Mm. say it. Mm -hmm. And that safe route, you know what's coming. And you know what's coming down the road because you kind of have a roadmap. Mm-hmm. versus the uncertain route where there is a, there's a lot of upside, but there's also, it's a much cloudier, it's a much foggier picture. And so you mm-hmm. don't have that clear roadmap. You kind of have to figure it out on the way or along right. the way. Right. But I also think that with that uncertain route, you also have a lot of upside and a lot of, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side kind of metaphor. Mm-hmm. I think that that's totally the case where, you know, you, if you don't at least try and give it a chance, you miss out on so much opportunity and you really have to, if you go the safe route and you go continue down the path that you're looking to go down, you have no idea of knowing what was to come if you took the leap and I forget who it was, but there's one celebrity who basically says that there's a point in everyone's life, every successful person's life, every celebrity's life, that they had to take some sort of leap. Mm-hmm. And it was that leap that ultimately set them on the path to where they are today. And I think that if you don't take that leap, you have to really internalize and be okay with setting yourself up potentially for a lot of regret of not knowing what would have been to come. And so I think you have to really be okay with that. But I think that if you are thinking, if you're on the fence about, you know, doing this photography thing, if you're on the fence of doing whatever is making you happy at this current time, the worst thing that happens is, like you said, you have to go back to kind of getting a job and that you already have. So you're back to, to square one. That's the worst thing that happened. But if you don't, then you li- basically go on living your life, ultimately wishing that you had fulfilled that desire that you're probably feeling right now. Right. I'm a little, not a little, a lot concerned right now with people who took that leap, who weren't really prepared in any way for potential that something, you know, never imagine something like what we're going through now, but there's always potential downturns in the business or you get an illness or you break your wrist and cancel all those thoughts in everybody's minds. It's just a metaphor, but a lot of people are making the leap or have made the leap, but they don't have any security net at all under them. So what do you advise people in terms of what they might want to be sure they have in place before they just go in and quit their job and buy, I don't know, what's the latest entry level (laughs) rebel in a dream, you know, buy a a T9I or whatever they're on right now. Before you do that, what do you think is a way to prepare so that it is a little less risky, even if it's just as scary? Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. And I think the the biggest thing is it's almost like comparing jumping out of a plane with a parachute and without a parachute. Mm. 
And there are a lot of ways that I'm, you know, when I say take the leap, it's not going out and going skydiving without a parachute. You want to have some sort of safety net. And so I think a lot of photographers hear that. I should probably clarify that where they hear, oh, I have to take the leap. I'm going to quit my full-time job and I'm just going to see where it goes. And I think that there are ways to ramp it up. So, you know, when you're first starting, you don't have to do this full-time. Like you don't have to be a full-time photographer. You can absolutely go part-time and build a client base, figure out the ropes a little bit. And then once you're ready to take the leap of going full-time, then you ease into it a little bit more slowly rather than just quitting your job and going head first. Okay. So let's make a list because I know you like the practical tips that come out of this podcast. So number one, have a source of income while you're building your business. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you know, part-time if necessary, like part-time do, do whatever you need to. Second, if you are really, you know, thinking about going full-time with your business, the biggest thing you need to do is look at your expenses. And what I mean by that is if you're drive, if you're used to, you know, let's just say you're used to driving the brand new Beamer and, you know, going out to iced coffee every single day with your gal friend or whatever it might be. Yeah. You have to really look and say, okay, is my level of spending, will I, my photography business in the beginning be able to accommodate this? Yes or no. Right. And you mm-hmm. have to look at your expenses. So that's the very first thing is cutting out extravagant personal expenses if you need to. Mm-hmm. You almost have to be willing to do a little bit of a lifestyle change. Okay. So that's kind of tip two. Sure. And then the third tip is when you're really thinking about going full time, like you said, having that safety net, if you don't have kind of a slush fund, a rainy day fund, three to six months minimum for your personal expenses. You know, if you're an on-location photographer, you don't really have too many overhead expenses except for, you know, insurance and software that you might need to buy yearly website, all that stuff. So your overhead is a little bit lower, but at least, you know, three to six months, preferably six for a lot of photographers that are going full time with it of a rainy day fund is really crucial to have in place so that even if, you know, like right now where all of our source of income dries up with not being able to go out and actually produce photography work, we have to be really kind of okay with knowing that we're at least going to pay our minimum bills. And so I think that having that emergency fund in place is really important from mm-hmm. the get-go. And I realize that that's not going to be attainable for everyone because I know that we're all in different financial places, but achieving that as quickly as possible is something that's really recommended and something that I think that every photographer should do really before making that leap. Right. There was somebody that was like, I went all in, I got a website, I have business cards. It's been three months. I haven't gotten any work and I'm out of money. It's like, okay, we want to be more prepared. Just launching a website is not going to get work coming through the door. There's so much more. Okay, so in terms of preparing to be an awesome photographer, what would tips four, five, and six, you know, to be successful as a business person and photographer? So I think so we got our ducks in a row. We've got, we've scaled down our expenses. We've got some savings a safety net, possibly have some kind of job. A couple of things I did when I was all in as a photographer is I worked two mornings a week at two different photography studios that had very active, high volume gift certificate programs going. And I photographed their kids and I got an hourly wage and I think I got a little commission on the sale. So I had that income. And I also sold skincare at at home parties. It wasn't Mary Kay, it was Jaffra, which is actually really focused more on you can make some money selling the products. 
And I have a, if you look back, Sean, I have a podcast about the things I learned from selling makeup, the 12 mm-hmm. tips on how to sell a luxury product. So those things kept my, my mortgage coming in and maybe my gas money. And then I did have some savings. So that was your number one tip. Number two, simplify. Number three, have a slush fund. So let's talk about photographically or other skills you want in place before you say, I'm going for this. Yeah, I think, and I think there's only one tip for that. And that is knowing how to run a business. Mm. Because as photographers, I think that it's, it's that sexy thing. You get to go out and make money shooting awesome photos. And then you realize, oh, I actually, I have to run what's called a business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think, forget the fundamentals. They forget that they need to go out and market. They need to connect with clients. You need to really be a jack of all trades. You need to be good about knowing, you know, how to keep money coming in, but also how to get a hold of business expenses and what are those. And so not overspending. And you really need to have a firm grasp of being able to provide a client experience and to do things in a business that are ultimately going to make you money because everyone can shoot really great photos. Not everyone can run a great business. Right. And it's the photographers that are really fantastic business people and, you know, good or great photographers that end up making it. Whereas the fantastic award-winning, incredible photographers that might be shooting the most brilliant photos that you've ever seen are barely scraping by because they don't know the business side of it. It's almost like that starving artist. And so if you're serious about photography, and I'm not saying that, you know, everyone needs to go out and run a photography business. Like not everyone's meant to run their own business and it might just be a hobby or something you're just doing on the side to bring in a little extra income. Or working for another photographer. Exactly. You know, associate shooting. Because if your your desire is just to shoot photos, it's one thing. But if your desire is to run a business and all of that, your photography is really just the product that you're selling. The experience is the product that you're selling. It's not so much that you are a photographer, you're a business person first. And your photography has now all of a sudden become a product rather than, you know, a source of enjoyment or it's, it's a weird way to think about it. But you really have to be okay with if you're going full time the mindset of running a business versus becoming a photographer. Mm -hmm. So do you think people have to be award-winning photographers to be successful? Oh, heck no. I, I I am not the first one to say that I am not the best photographer in the world. I think you have to have a solid product, but if you ultimately are putting all your eggs in your basket with, if I take great photos, I'm going to book clients. That's not going to work for you down the long run. It might work for you in the beginning, but it's not going to, it's not going to be the roots and the foundation for a sustainable business over time. So I don't think you need to be an award-winning photographer. And there are fantastic photographers that are friends of mine who are really, really talented at shooting and really great business people. But there are also people who run fantastic businesses that blow me, like just blow me away. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be the first ones to say that, like myself, we're not the best photographers in the world. We're not necessarily award-winning. Right. So one of my mentors that was the top photographer for decades in San Diego, Victor Avila, he taught worldwide. He was so well-known. His work was very simple, but amazing. And he didn't know how to run a business. And when it came time for his memorial, we took a collection worldwide to pay for his burial. I know that's a very sad story, but 
all this time, I looked up to him as far as his work, and he, he was a great teacher. And it's it's unfortunate that he didn't either hire somebody trustworthy or didn't learn the business part because he should have been rich. He should have been extremely wealthy based on the quality of his work. So yes, it all goes together. And is that too sad of a story, Sean, or is that a cautionary tale? I think it's, a, I mean, <laughs> it's what you make of it, but yeah. I think it gets at the root of you almost, you touched on this a little bit. You said, you know, hiring someone, figure out your strengths. And if your strength is being a really fantastic photographer, well, there are ways to still run a business where you're not handling the business side yourself, you know, finding some sort of person to run your sales for you and talking to experts or having an individual market for you and create an actionable game plan, those Mm -hmm. sorts of things. So I think there are ways to really just do what you're good at, but you have to have that self-awareness to really understand that that's what you need to do if you're not willing to take it on yourself. Right. Have you heard of the cake and cringe pyramid? I have not. So if you make a a pyramid vertical and then you cross horizontal lines, so it's in three different sections. And on one side, you put the word cake, which is something that is you enjoy doing. And then cringe is something that makes you cringe even thinking about doing it, let alone doing it. And then, so you fill in the pyramid on the, on the cake side at the top, the things you love, love, love to do the most that are profitable and then work your way down. And then the things you really hate to do, you know, in order of dislike and the ones that are the most necessary go on the top. And it gives you that chance to look at, now there are some things I don't love to do that I have to do because I run a business and I can't delegate. But there are so many things, even housekeeping. So there are so many photographers who are trying to figure out how to delegate and yet they're, they're vacuuming themselves and they're cleaning the bathroom themselves. It's like, that's the easiest, simplest way to buy several hours a week is to let somebody do that while you do the thing that our time is worth two, three, five hundred dollars an hour. So yeah, and I've been myself delegating some of the Facebook. I've got virtual assistants. I've got one in the Philippines and then I've got a gal that's more social media. Anyway, yeah, that cake cringe pyramid can be very very eye-opening. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it comes down to figuring out what you can outsource and delegate. Yes. Now, do you think that someone is smart to start a business if they don't really know the craft of photography? They haven't learned, you know, an F-stop from a bus stop or (laughs) like where they're kind of winging it every time or like how much skill, actual foundational skill do you recommend? Well, I think that you have to be at the point where you can consistently produce the product. And the reason that I say that is because every single brand in the world that has become successful does one thing and they do it well. And that's right. consistency. Mm-hmm. We know that when we walk into a Starbucks, whether it be in Paris, Indiana or Paris, France, we know that you're getting the exact same or Paris, Texas. I don't know why. I said yes. Paris. Well, France too, there's Starbucks there. Yeah. So you know that no matter where you're going, you're going to order a vanilla latte and it's going to taste the exact same or very similar without much fluctuation in both of those places, even though they're so far apart. Right. One of the reasons that Starbucks is so successful is because they do that consistently Mm -hmm. and people know what to expect. So as a photographer, if you're coming in and you're saying you're just kind of winging it, people are not going to inherently trust you because you're not producing a consistent product. 
Right. So until you can get to a level of consistency that's replicatable, that's, I think, when you really need to start evaluating, okay, this is when I can kind of take it into business mode. But mm -hmm. if you're just going out there winging, I think there are way more ways that you can work on your craft before jumping into business because you really need to think about those brand implications if you do it too early, where now all of a sudden people are thinking of your work and they're equating it with inconsistencies or right. they know one friend who had amazing photos taken by you and another friend whose photos just fell flat right because you didn't you didn't know you shot in a different location time of day you didn't know necessarily what to do so i think you have to figure out how to bring your work up to a level of consistency before you really think about going full time you know full time or jumping all the way in so you do have to i think have at least some sort of technical knowledge and base of understanding of how the camera works how to create these images and you have i think you should really do it before officially forming your business and there are ways to practice and all that stuff before you go all in mm -hmm. um, and ways of kind of once again scaling it up and ramping it up it's kind of like a you know you know it's not a switch it's it's more of a knob you turn it incrementally oh that's good you're smart no wonder you were thinking of going into heart surgery cardiology yeah. <laughs> that has me think about how some people start their business and charge very little and give away the files. And I always recommend, and let me know if you think I'm on track with this in your thinking, is it's better to be doing things for free and giving it, you know, finding friends and family or people in need that would never be able to have quality photography to learn, hire models, do whatever you need to do, rather than starting off really cheap and cheerful is what I like to call it. Yeah. For two reasons. One, of course, because it's really hard to, like, none of those will become our long-term sustaining clients or referrals. But also, people that don't pay very much, they're a pain. People that pay a reasonable amount respect us more. So we can save ourselves those horrible experiences where people want a $5,000 job and want to give you $100. And also, you can move past friends and family more smoothly by not charging until you're ready to to charge and then you don't give it away <laughs> so i what are your thoughts on that sean yeah i well i think i agree with the it's better to do it for free than it is cheap and hope that you're going to build a client base for that and i even want to go deeper i don't necessarily think it's our clients that don't respect us when we're not charging i think we don't respect ourselves hmm. because if we aren't we're, if we are not willing to value our time how do we expect our clients to either so i think you almost have to flip it on the head and say it's not even just our clients it's us if we're not charging what we think that we deserve or because we don't feel like we deserve it our clients aren't going to think that either and one of the things that i think every photographer can do in the beginning you hit it right on the head with you know not necessarily hiring models but a especially with senior photography or family photography. Like who doesn't want killer photos that just for a photographer who's working to learn their craft right. and doing a model shoot, doing it on your own terms, you kind of taking the narrative creatively and using that to build your base. And then once you've ha you have a portfolio, once you have pieces that you can market with and show the consistency and the quality of your work, you're able to then adequately charge what you need to and kind of start out a little bit higher than had you started small and then worked your way up. Because right. what's going to happen is, like you said, you're not going to turn those $100 family clients into thousand or 15 or 2000 however much you might be charging. You're not going to ever turn them into those 
types of clients because they, first of all, they started kind of expecting a certain price in their mind. And, you know, they might just not have the budget. They might not necessarily value photography that much. Mm -hmm. And so you have to really think that, okay, are these clients that I'm booking now? Yeah, they might be coming in the door and you might be fully booked, but you're never going to be able to scale it up with those exact clients. And so you're almost spending a lot of time in a price point that you don't necessarily need to be in order to grow into the price point that is ultimately going to drive a sustainable and profitable business. Right. I totally love everything you just said. For me in that finding subjects to build a portfolio, I love to find people who are worthy and honestly could never, ever budget for the quality of photography. So first of all, I'm not hurting my industry. I'm not poisoning the well by just generally like giving away free senior sessions to anybody that says yes. For example, here in San Diego, we have a school. It's called Monarch School. They have kids who are basically homeless. I'm not sure all the details. They might be foster kids, but you know, it's kids that would love to have senior portraits, but no way would they have the budget for it. So I volunteered. I did their prom one time and well, actually I did it twice. One time I set up a boring background. The next year I was like, Hey, why don't we go to Balboa Park? Maybe uh, some limousines and some clothing stores would help and drive them there. And, and then I can do outdoor portraits that are more special. Anyway, so finding whatever your niche is, finding people that would totally appreciate being done complimentary, where you're not just taking work away from other photographers, you know, in a particular school or something. Yeah. And I think that it's not even necessarily taking work away from other photographers too, because you're going to not necessarily know how to create that client experience yet. And so it's going right. to be overall uh -huh. yeah, a totally different client experience and someone mm -hmm. who is taking a chance on you versus yeah. going with the established photographer. So, and especially when you're starting out, I don't even necessarily worry about that too much, but as you grow, yeah, I totally think that giving back is an amazing thing to do. And that's what we do. I, I mean, I partner up with my hair and makeup team in a local mm -hmm. boutique and we do a styled senior shoot for someone who's been nominated by the community just in an attempt to give back. That's nice. And it's not necessarily hurting my business. It's something that I love doing, but at the same time, I'm also at a point where I'm charging. So I think in the, in the beginning, it's totally okay to go out and do those model calls because you're learning, hmm. you're still experimenting. I think it's okay. almost more beneficial to the industry to say, no, I'm not going to charge, but I'm still going to do a model shoot than it is to say, I'm going to be booking seniors for $50 a piece. Right. Yeah. I almost think it's more beneficial to do it for free and do it on your own terms than it is almost being taken advantage for being a new business owner, not knowing what sure. to RJ. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. So I love all those tips. And I also know that one of the things I wanted to talk to you about uh, was breaking into the senior market. And I don't know if we've already covered some of the steps on that, but senior is a particular niche. And I know you do what I recommend to photographers, which is you picked a lane and that's the lane you're driving in, which is seniors. And I always offer what I think is a truth is when you specialize, it's faster to become known and it's, it's easier to be better at our craft when we're focused in one direction. So tell me about the senior market and how you ended up doing a high-end senior photography business. 
Yeah. So first off, we do not photograph elderly people. That was one of the questions that I got asked <laughs> numerous times. They thought I was going into like nursing homes and taking portraits and people were very confused that there was a market for that. This is high school seniors. So it's like basically this time before they're going on to graduation. And it's a really big time in their lives where the parent is all of a sudden maybe having a child leave the house for the first time, or maybe they're having their last child leave the house and they've never, and they're going to be empty nesters. The kids are going off to college and they have these bright futures. And so it's a really big time that you as that we as photographers have an obligation to capture and document. And so one of the things you kind of hit it right on the head, it's it's easier to kind of make a name for yourself or be known in your community for kind of niching down. I think that's so true because what it allows you to do is it allows you to create this experience and create a brand that resonates with so many people because you're not spending time talking to four or five different genres as kind of a generalist. You're able to speak to your ideal client and you're really able to get known for what you do. Mm -hmm. One of the things with seniors, it's very interesting is they don't want just a photographer, they want a senior photographer. And so even if you're a wedding photographer, a newborn family photographer, there are ways that you can still separate your brand and introduce seniors, which have been actually very profitable. And some wedding photographers aren't making as much with their weddings as I do a senior shoot. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there isn't financial, you know, opportunity with high school seniors, but you do have to make sure that you're if you choose to go kind of down that route, you're really focusing on the client experience and making yourself known in your community as a senior photographer by really knowing the genre because that's what they want. That's what they're going to invest the money in is versus someone who just happens to take senior portraits on the side. They want that full encompassing experience and niching down allows you to really fine tune that experience much quicker than you otherwise would have. So what is that experience? Well, I think the first one is that we're in a very interesting time in the senior photography industry. And that's, we are now marketing to an entirely new generation. And it was, the cutoff was 96, 97, right around there for generation Z. And for every other photography industry, you really haven't worked with this generation for this generation yet. And this generation is very focused on creating. So they're very interested on, you know, they look to these influencers, these Instagram influencers, YouTubers, that's who they want to be. And so for your business, what you have to do is you almost have to be able to dive into that a little bit. They want to be a face of your brand. And so a couple ways that personally that I've done this, we can kind of allude to how this you can use this to break into the senior market. The two main things are really, how are you using influencers in your own business? And we can talk about that on the social media front. And then also, how are you appealing to them as a personal brand and using video in order to do that? And these are going to be, I think, the two most powerful things for those listeners in how to break through is knowing how to channel a social media approach using influencers and using video to build a personal brand because that's what these individuals relate to right Mm. now. So having other people basically be ambassadors in some way for you, ambassadors is the old term probably, I don't know your age, but I'm guessing some of my photographer clients, we were doing ambassadors when you were senior. (laughs) maybe. And then that the power of video, that there's sort of a self, like a self-referral or something, a credibility when you get on video. Yeah. And I think it even goes deeper to that. We can definitely touch on that. Yeah. I'm thinking you kind of turn yourself into your own celebrity in a way way. on video. 
Okay. Yeah. So, so talk about that. You said you want to touch on that. Yeah. So for the influencers, yeah, the old term is kind of ambassadors. And now it's just kind of coined like a senior rep. Photography friends call it like the senior spokesmodels. I've had, I know other photographers kind of call them like their street team or their team. And, and mine is just the senior team because mainly it's, it's really focused on that, that team aspect. But mm-hmm. the purpose of creating it was I absolutely loved the opportunity to create deep client relationships with these individuals. Because when you're working with these senior team members, they are with you for about 18 months. So they're Mm. really starting as juniors in high school before they're even seniors. And in my neck of the woods, we photograph their senior portraits right before their senior year starts. So like the summer before, Mm -hmm. just because that's when yearbook deadlines need to be hit and that's when the weather's nicest. So they're with me about six to eight months prior to their senior photos And then they're with me their entirety of their senior year. So now what I'm able to do is I have a team of individuals throughout the year who I'm going to do shoots with, and I'm going to have them basically posting my photos. Because with, I know if you're a photographer listening, you're like, Instagram is going away and all that stuff. Well, I basically just kind of circumvented this and Instagram is not going away. But as businesses, we have a lot less reach. We don't have the opportunity to get in front of as many people as we once did. But our clients and our our senior rep team members don't have that problem because they're individuals. And so what they're they're doing is they are basically like the local Kim Kardashians. Ah. Everyone follows them. They have a ton of followers. They have a bunch of friends that all want to see what they're doing. Mm. And they, when they post your images, are in turn helping spread the word about you. So you're basically going, you know, if you have five senior reps and they're all posting you know, you have the potential to reach 10, 15, 20,000 individuals in your local community just based off their different social circles. Mm. So it's a very interesting idea to incorporate in your, into your senior photography business. And going off of that, I kind of mentioned I started this for those deeper client relationships. Now what they're going to do is you get to know them and their families, and they are going to naturally bring you up organically in conversation. And what they're also going to do is when people are thinking of senior photographers, you're now all of a sudden going to be the first one that comes to mind mm-hmm. because you've invested in them, you've worked with them more. So you've given, you know, additional shoots and you've also created with the senior team, a community in addition to their other communities, like their sports teammates and club groups or whatever groups they might be a part of that you are now bringing together like-minded individuals in terms of they all have these career goals, they're ambitious, they're engaged in their local and their school communities. And now you're bringing them together and forming these connections that they have with other individuals, building on top of just the photo shoot aspect. And that's something that honestly, a lot of my senior team comes to me specifically for that point of connection with other individuals. So it almost hits on like two, three really big things that are that every senior photographer really should be doing if they want to drive a super successful business right now. So how do you bring the kids together in a community? Well, first off, it's it's a very kind of long application process. So you have interviews and not everyone who wants to be on the team ultimately makes it. And it's a really tough call. But at the same time, you want to have individuals who want to meet other people. They want to be open. They want to welcome people that they don't know. And so obviously we're doing this through photo shoots and stuff, but we also do team events. And so a couple months back, we did what we coined the all access event, which I partnered up with a few other people in the community. So hair and makeup, boutique, prom dress vendor, myself. And we did this cool 
all access event where they basically were able to bring their friends, see each other. We had like this photo booth that we rented that actually printed out like physical photo booth strips. And we created this event where the goal wasn't to be a photography event. This the goal of the event was just to bring people together in the community, get them talking, get them seeing their friends together. We do stuff like, um, I'm not sure if you guys have Top Golf in San Diego. It's a kind of like an arcade driving range. No. We're, we'll rent out a bay and I'll just do some appetizers. And basically mm-hmm. it's just like a fun way of them getting to know each other. We've done mm-hmm. ice cream stuff. So there's tons of ways to get them uh-huh. connecting with individuals outside of just the photo shoot experience. And that's Got something it. that's been really successful and and is a reason that people come to me. They come to me for that team aspect and wanting to Mm -hmm. be part of it. So I'm thinking that, you know, in other like kinds of photography, let's say pet photography, it's always a great marketing plan to create a community of people in the industry and have get togethers, do events, support each other, team emails and so forth. So I'm kind of, as I'm listening to this, it sounds like it basically, it's using those principles of creating alliances. You're creating alliances with seniors and then you're bringing in some other vendors. So then it's multi-layer because those other vendors are also going to get excited to refer you and you to refer them and one big happy soup of success. <laughs> happy soup. Yeah, I love it. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So the video, is that, would that be the next... Yeah, like even, thing like even more kind of like that personal brand umbrella. Mm-hmm. And because that kind of touches on a couple things. And one of the things is there's really been a strong generational shift. And with Gen Z, this is going to be coming to other genres as well. So this is something that I think every genre of photography of photographer should be doing. And that's putting a personal face to your brand. And what's interesting about what studies have shown with Generation Z basically the seniors as of right now that are going to be becoming brides soon enough. Right. What they want to see is they need to have seven kind of touch points with a brand Mm -hmm. before choosing to invest with them. Right. And so, you know, if, if you're a Coca-Cola salesman and you want them to drink Coca-Cola, you essentially need to be in their social feeds. You need to be on billboards. You need to be on TV commercials. You need to be in front of them seven times. And as photographers, we have to do the exact same. And so all of a sudden, social media becomes a much more important avenue to kind of pursue. So one of the ways to do that is through like Instagram stories of really putting your face at the forefront of your brand because they want to connect personally. They don't want to just work with Sean Brown or they don't want to just work with Lucy. They want to work with a photographer that they feel connected to. And you can only do that by actually putting a face to your brand. Mm. And Instagram stories, but video in, in kind of a whole is really powerful. And one of the ways that I've started doing this is vlogging the session. So that's v, a vlogging with a V. So not blogging, but actually bringing a camera videographer on location with my photo shoots so that these individuals can not only see their own shoots and, and share with their friends about these shoots, but they can also see what it's like to work with me mm-hmm. before even setting foot into the makeup studio before even reaching out to me to book my session. And what this does is it creates, it basically tears down all these barriers that were previously existing of them not knowing what it's like to work with me and not knowing who I am as a photographer and has really shown immense success since I've started this last year and I'm scaling it up this year. And it's something that they all want to be 
YouTube famous or uh, TikTok famous or whatever it might be. And by building a brand that allows them to kind of have a a say in in what you're creating, because ultimately it's their photo session, it's their experience. If they have a say in what's the final product that's being created, it's a really powerful draw for them. That's something that this generation really wants. And so it almost accomplishes two, three different ideals all at the same time with one platform or one kind of use. Okay. So I'm doing a photo session. I bring someone along to film. I imagine not the whole thing, but some nice little sections. And then what do I do with that? Yeah, I'm actually, and it's interesting to hear you say that. I actually film the entire thing. Oh, wow. And what I do is I package it up. It's almost like more of like a reality TV show. And you can Google like big name vloggers like Casey Neistat is a really fantastic one to to watch. And it's basically visual storytelling. And their visual storytelling through this is their session. So it's it's seeing how you interact and it's very candid. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that, it's now going up on IGTV. It's going up on YouTube. I can then repurpose this for little snippets for Instagram stories or TikTok. And so what I can do is I can then create an entire almost like cross promotion repurposing net, I guess is for lack of a better term, where that one core piece of content all of a sudden can become six, seven, eight. And we kind of go back to the, they have to see us seven times. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I'm touching them on multiple different platforms through one piece of content that's just changed up in, in certain ways to fit the appropriate context. So if you were doing all of that yourself, I can't imagine you'd have time to photograph or market or yeah, you just in, in any other way. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you have people that help you with all of that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we, we kind of touched on outsourcing and delegating a little bit earlier. And that's so important is when this was introduced, I realized that I was really close to being stretched thin already. And now I was talking about overlaying this huge, immense project. And I immediately turned to videographers in my community. I got an editor who I can rely on and actually have multiple editors, multiple videographers in case one of them can't make one of the dates. And so I'm not touching any of this. It's all about outsourcing for me. And I basically just get to make tweaks or changes to the final product, but it's all about delegating and communicating with what you're looking to do. Because if you didn't, then like you said, you'd have no time. It's an investment, but it's out of the marketing budget. Is that, am I reading that right? You know, it it is costly, but it's a, a reason why, first of all, why you need to charge well for a session, but also why you Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the mentality where it's very weird in the photography industry, where if you came to any other industry and you said, I'm going to bring you a lead. So someone who's going to book with you or inquire, or let's just say, let's actually say a booked client. I'm going to bring you a booked client, but you have to pay me a hundred dollars and they're going to in turn give you 2000. Would you do it? Well, every photographer would. And that's what you're doing with these videos is it's marketing, but what I've been able to see is huge returns on investment, where even in the course of a year, if I can, one of the things you have to do is get costs down first, so we can talk about that, and um, that's kind of where outsourcing comes in, but if you can get costs down low enough where you are putting out, you know, 10 vlogs, and let's just say it's $100 a piece, so you're putting out $1,000 of content, but you book five to 10 clients from it, well, that's a really good ROI. Right, right, and- it's not that hard to charge an extra hundred dollars per client anyway. Like if you're like, yeah. huh, 
I, I'm averaging $2,000 a client, but I'm going to spend $100 to get that client. Okay, I'm going to work it out so that I have $2,100 average. I mean, that's yeah. the or, lovely thing about our industry. Or I'm going to learn to sell better so that my average sales are up. Or Totally. And, and let's take a look at this too, where how many photographers say they kind of stress out and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm not booking. I need to discount my sessions. Right. Rather than okay, I'm not booking. What value can I add to my sessions? Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I actually did this year was previously last year, I just did it for a select number of sessions. It was almost more of like a pilot program. So this was actually just straight out of my marketing budget. But this year, what I did was I said, okay, for everyone who books before this date, we're going to vlog your session. And I didn't discount. I didn't, you know, give them any other incentives other than to book and they get the vlog. And Mm. so now worst case scenario I have another piece of content that reaches a potential client and given my client a better experience. So there's almost no downside to it, except for a little bit of money out at the front, but it's a really great opportunity. And like you said, you know, there are ways to increase your, your session average, increase your session fee a little bit. There are ways to get around that where you can still introduce it to them and still have tremendous return on investment in the back end. Right. When I did weddings, I don't know if you know this, Sean, I did weddings for 12 years. And one of my good friends started doing weddings and she was putting her own albums together. And she was always financially struggling saying, well, I can't afford to pay somebody. And I kept trying to point out that time is money. And in the time she was spending hours and hours and hours assembling wedding albums, because we had to do that by hand. I was marketing. I was connecting with vendors. I was doing things that got me more work. I was studying sales. I was going to classes. So, and I'm not like, oh, look at me. I'm so great. I just, because I love other other people to be successful. I was just always like, just try it for six months. Just have somebody three hours a week that you pay back then it would have been like $10 an hour would have been generous to put those books together and clip those negatives and put them in the little bags and then use those three hours a week to grow the business. And she just, her mind was just set on, I can't afford it. And I have a feeling that thinking is more common. If you take a hundred photographers, there's maybe 10 that understand that investing is the smartest, quickest way to actually be more profitable. Well, and it it goes off the old phrase, you have to spend money to make money. Right. Yeah. And it's going off exactly what you're saying. You know, if you told a photographer that they had to pay a hundred dollars a session to have their photos edited, but that they would have time to then shoot two or three more sessions and make way more than they would spending time editing. It's a really hard mental game that you're kind of playing. Mm -hmm. But once you realize that, it opens up the world of possibilities for you expanding your business and really growing. Right. And also quality products is something that I think adds to all of that, what we're talking about. One of my biggest regrets in my wedding career is that I used a company that it's out of business, so I'm not trashing them, but it was Art Leather. And they made a decent middle range product, but for the for two of the years, something was unstable on the cover and they all ended up about six years, seven years later, sticky and horrible and needing to be redone. And if I had charged just another, let's say $200 in my wedding packages and used a company called Leather Craftsman that is still in business making the most beautiful wedding albums 
that I've ever seen in my 38 years, and I go to trade shows, if I had just had that mentality of, I'm going to offer the best possible product, that's hard to say, PPP, <laughs> number one, the, the money for it would have been easy to attain, but I never thought about it till this minute that those better albums would have drawn better clients to me. And I still was at the top of the food chain here in San Diego, but, or my, my photo lab that I love, Mid-South Color Lab, in some comparisons, there may be slightly higher than others, but the quality of work and service and that it's, it's a smaller lab that is patient with someone that's really picky like me, I know I'm producing the best product. And so that little bit of extra money is way accommodated for by the level of clients and what they're willing to spend. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. Even when I bought my first Hasselblad, I was asking, he was an icon in San Diego. He did camera repair, but he did so much more than that. And I asked him if it was worth buying a Hasselblad because I had twin lens, Mamiya twin lens reflex cameras. And he said, your pictures are not going to look that different, but your attitude and people's response to you when you show up with a Hasselblad will make a huge difference. So then I think that's just another in the whole experience you're talking about, that there's marketing value, there's confidence value in offering our best at every step of the way. That's, that's my thoughts on that. Totally. So we're Holy cow, I think we could talk for another couple hours because <laughs> this whole senior market back, I used to think it was boring because when I was doing the wedding photography and then switched to babies, most senior photography was pretty boring. But now I can't think of anything more fun than photographing these, you know, freshly hatched adults or almost hatched. That's hard to say too. (laughs) (laughs) Almost launched into the world, humans with all their hopes and dreams. And yeah, I can see why you love that as a specialty. Before I ask you one last question, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you do or ask you questions and all that stuff? Yeah, my phone number. No, I'm not going to give you my phone number, but you can you can find me on Instagram at Sean Brown Productions. My mom gave me the the Irish spelling of Sean, so it's S E A N. Sean Brown Productions, and pretty much Sean Brown Productions on Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere else that it allowed me to hit that character count. Okay, and I know you have something special you wanted to let people know how to find it. Yeah. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more in how to break into senior photography, I've actually put together a free toolkit for you all, the starter kit. And it's a PDF download. So I'm sure Lucy will provide a link in that for you all that you can download and just learn a little bit about uh, seniors, how to get started and the initial steps that I took in building my business. And hopefully you all take a lot away from it and are able to you know, think about starting your own senior business or adding it into your existing genre or whatever direction you want to take it. But um, an amazing toolkit put together for you all. Cool. I'm sure you could email Sean, Sean at SeanBrownProductions.com yep. if, if you don't find the show notes. <laughs> all right. So if there's one last thing that you'd like people to know, either that we've left out or just something in your heart that you want to share, now's your chance. I think the biggest thing, I mean, kind of going back to what we touched on towards the beginning of this episode is that you're never going to get to where you want to go without taking that leap and investing in yourself a little bit. 
Yeah. And I think that that's so important, you know, like Lucy was saying, whether that be finding a coach like her or whether that be just even putting more time into your business than you currently are doing, you're not going to get to where you want to be without at least giving yourself a chance. And I'm a big believer on betting on yourself. And I think that every photographer out there, if this is something that you're looking to do, figure out some time, figure out financial investment education wise, or a mentor, whatever it might be to really get you going in the right direction. Because the worst thing that happens is you end up right back to where you are now. Right. And I think that that's something that every photographer out there, if they're itching to do this, should take that leap and go along their path that they that they ultimately want to go down. Yeah. And no one will ever actually be where they started because even if you quote unquote fail, which I don't believe in, there's so much growth that happens by taking risk and learning new things. And even like I had one coaching client that at the end of our sessions, he said, that was awesome. And I realized I don't really want to be a full-time photographer. I actually love my job and I want to keep this as a hobby and he was he was delighted with the results because mm-hmm. it answered questions for him because he didn't really know everything it would take to uh, build a business and at this point in his life. But he also, this was really fun, he would tell me how using the tools that I was teaching him on how to market, how to be a better salesperson, he actually took that into his job and he got a promotion at his regular job. That's awesome. Because... He sounded so much more knowledgeable about marketing and sales that, yeah, so he technically failed as a full-time photographer, but he was super happy with the clarity and the education it gave him. So, and thanks for the shout out about coaching. I do want to say before I wrap up that if to my listeners, if you are interested in learning more about uh, what it would be like to have one-on-one coaching with me. I'd be delighted to jump on a quick call and have you apply for one of my Create the Business of Your Dreams strategy sessions. So you can just go to lucydumascoaching.com, send me an email or send me an email at lucy at lucydumas.com. And uh, be sure to stay tuned for my wrap up of today's super informative episode. And so Sean, thank you so, so much for, first of all, reaching out and saying, hey, I think your audience would like to know what I have to share. And I know they are loving this episode. They're really great to make a new friend. And so thank you times 10. Well, thank you so much for having me on and uh, looking forward to when I'm hopefully able to get down to San Diego and catch some sun with you sooner than later. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. So talk to you then. Wow, there was so much good info in that. It's going to be hard for me to do the wrap up. This will be a long one. So let's see. First thing that we talked about was taking the leap, preparing, getting ready to go for it with your business. And he mentioned six things. I think this was seventh that I forgot to write down. But before we go all in, maybe work part-time, have some other source of income or savings you know, have, be able to sustain yourself for three to six months with no income before you go all in, learn to run a business. And there's lots of ways to learn. A coach can help you figure that out much faster 
than trying to just fake it on your own. But studying business, getting support, joining PPA, we didn't mention that, but getting involved in every aspect so that you can learn to be running a full-time business as a professional. You talked about having a solid product. So you don't need to be the most award-winning photographer in the world, but before going all in, you want to have your craft well at hand so you know you can give a consistent product and handle things as they come up and get help hire people that can uh, do those things that save you time to do the things that are the most profitable. And we talked a lot about fear and going for it in spite of the fear. He talked about not letting others' fear or judgment of your decisions stop you from taking those risks. We talked about how specializing can make it easier to grow easier to become known. He talked about how now seniors, the current senior photography generation Z, I guess, they're looking for a specialist if they're going to invest well in senior photography and they're looking for an experience. And then he shared a lot about how he has influencers or sometimes they're called senior reps or a street team. He calls it a senior team and he creates an experience and a community for them. And they get the word out in many, many, many ways about his business and and why they love him. Talked about, oh my gosh, doing videos and having it be part of a personal brand umbrella. So interesting topic I'd like to explore later. He hires people to film sessions and then he uses that to cross promote on YouTube, on TikTok, Instagram, entire sessions. He hires videographers and he pays them and they film and they edit. You know, it's a great way for people to know what it's like because people want to hire people. I think that is a core here. He talked about adding value as the best way to book more people. The biggest thing is he said, you're never going to get where you want to go without taking a leap, investing in coaching, in education, in um, learning how to have a really clear brand. He says, always bet on yourself. So I really love that. And again, thank you, Sean Brown. This was a, a great conversation for an afternoon and I hope you all love it and talk to you later. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.